Welcome to Love Maps, your guide to love, sex and relationships. I'm your host, Joe Nickel. I'm a psychotherapist and relationship coach. For 25 years, I've been working with couples and individuals, and I know firsthand that many people are not having the sex and love life they want. So I decided to make this podcast to give people the tools they need to get the relationships they long for with more passion, intimacy and connection. So what is a love map? A love map is the blueprint for our relationships which we developed in the early stages of our life. There's a saying, show me how you were loved and I will show you how you love. Our culture shows us how to fall in love, but I want to show you how to stay in love. Each episode, I'll be hanging out on my sofa with an invited guest who has a particular interest or expertise in love and sex. And together we'll explore a specific topic so that you can take away tools and new ideas that I hope will transform your relationships. Today, we're going to be talking to the fabulous podcaster, Anghara George Carey. And together, we're going to be exploring the impact of fathers on how we love and the partners we choose. Also with me on Love Maps is my regular sofa buddy and editor, Richard Cotton, who is as passionate as I am about improving our relationships. Hey, Richard. Hiya, Joe. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. We're talking about daddies today. Uh-huh. Yep. We're talking about how they impact on our love lives. And I'm thinking about my father and the way he informed the kind of men I chose to be with. Very interesting. And the way I interacted with men right. based on my relationship with my father. Right. And from a male point of view... Is the modelling that we get from our dads, right? Yeah, I think you're going to learn from your father, from his absence, from his presence, from whatever relationship you had with him, mm. about what it means to be a man in the world, what it means to be a father, what it means to be a husband. Right, and we all have this, of course, don't we? We all because, have I mean, this. I love my dad. Yeah. I love him, he's awesome. Um, but we've all got, you know, no, no upbringing, no environment was perfect. There were always challenges that and whatever those were we were absorbing them as children we were we're we're yeah. our modeling comes from that right totally so, you were learning you were watching you yeah. were observing and unconsciously all this stuff goes in and gets evoked and acted out in our adult relationships so yeah it's a big yeah. story because in we are the shadow of our fathers is with us throughout our adulthood. Okay. I mean, our mothers are there too, but we're talking about our dads today. Yeah. So who are we talking to? Today we're talking to Anghara George Carey. She's got her own podcast, um, Daddy Issues. She talks to a lot of people about the impact of fathers on their lives, and more particularly on their work lives and how successful they've become despite issues around their fathers. We're going to be focusing on the impact on love life. Fantastic. Yeah. So, welcome, Ang Harrod. Hello. Hi. <laughs> and Harrod has her own podcast mm -hmm. called Daddy Issues. Mm -hmm. I love that title so much. We've <laughs> all got daddy issues. Oh, yeah. my God. So, tell me why, Ang Harrod, tell me why you did this podcast. What's it all about? So, Daddy Issues podcast is about... Um, well, it explores with, so I invite guests on who are um, in some way 
um, successful. And I want to quickly say, you know, the word success, obviously, you know, what does that mean and how can you define success? But looking at it through potentially quite a shallow lens um, that I do with my podcast, I see success in sort of people who have had childhood trauma in some respect with their father, be that through death, divorce, abuse, neglect, abandonment, um, at a, either from infantry or in their teenagehood and have managed through, have managed to sort of find focus and purpose and direction um, and channel that energy into something good for themselves in terms of, and that's what I'm now calling success, well, what I call success in the podcast. Um, and so it's, it's growing up without a father and the effects that that has on you in later life, but then also finding people as I've just I'm going to parrot myself now who've managed to channel that into something successful for themselves but it's been fascinating because for me at least I was very lost for um you know years since my dad died in a car accident when I was seven that I was also involved in as was my family and it was quite a sort of traumatic event and uh 20 years later at the age of 27 I'm now 28 but at the age of 27 I actually spoke out about it for the first time with a therapist um, and it transformed my life. It transformed my relationship with myself. It transformed um, my relationship to my father's death and what had happened and that really shocking loss and then absence for me at least was was very prominent throughout my life. And I only really acknowledged it in my 20s because I couldn't really ignore it that was really when my grief really set in consciously um and so for me at least doing the podcast came from all of that so it came from me realizing the power of speech and how effective that was for me and if this had been my journey through sorry I hate the word journey I use it way too much but if this had been if this was something that had brought me this amount of resolution and peace um, just through speaking out, then what can I do to try and help people who haven't realized that speaking out is so hugely powerful? And so I decided to start a podcast. And so that's really where Daddy issues came. And then the link with the success came from me not being able to find purpose or direction in those 20 years. So I was fascinated with those who could, if that makes any sense. That's yeah. really courageous. <laughs> No. Thank you. Yeah, well done. A so, real spiel there for you. Can you can you say something about why you decided to go into therapy at mm-hmm. the age of twenty six? What was happening in your life that you realised that something had to be looked at? Something in your life had to change. The reason why I went into therapy is because I just came out of a ter- with a bad relationship with a with a guy with my boyfriend, and I don't want to say he was bad in it because. I don't think, I don't blame him. It wasn't something that um, he meant to do. It, it was, I on reflection now know it was where I was and how I felt. I'm in a relationship with someone who can't tell me that they love me and also won't let me love them. Where am I at in my life to be fighting for this when I know, you know, what? what's my relationship with myself? I went on this run <laughs> and had this sort of euphoric moment up this hill where genuinely it was kind of so symbolic and thinking I was running up a hill and I suddenly had this light bulb moment what why was I in this relationship where not purposefully but 
was in an in an emotionally abusive relationship in some respects and I was putting myself in that position I suddenly realized I have to break up with him and then at that time in my life I had nothing going on that I felt worthy about I felt incredibly lost I had no purpose I had no direction and the only thing that I wanted really was for this relationship to work because I felt like that I could control that I could feel like was something purposeful in my life but that relationship was telling telling me basically to fuck off or it was telling me kind of you're not good enough even in this you know you can't be loved or and I'm not going to let you love me and I started therapy and it didn't mention the boy's name. He didn't come up in my therapy sessions until, you know, almost six months in because that wasn't the problem. It's not absolutely yeah. right. It's not yeah. them. It, yeah. it's, it's why we choose these types. Yeah. What is it that we're drawn to that fulfills a part of us that thinks that that is all we deserve? Mm. You know, choosing somebody that really isn't available for you and yeah. is absent yeah, in exactly. some part of themselves is unconsciously replicating this yearning yeah. and this unknown, ma- you know, the unknown. Mm. And yeah, it's, well, good for you yeah. that you chose therapy and that it, he didn't come into it, obviously. No. And that was so, what was so interesting is he didn't. And I think that's because, yeah, like I said, he wasn't the problem. But you went there because of that moment in in time in your life yes uh, about that relationship and yet you didn't really bring it up it it didn't no I went there not because of him actually it was because I realized where was I at with myself for me to be going for that relationship for me to be fighting for someone who isn't willing to tell me that they how they feel about me and is shutting my emotions down. That's why I went and I I actually knew, I knew it was to do with my father and I knew it was to do with never having faced or at least being able to speak openly and honestly about him and his absence and what that had done to me. More importantly, done to your relationships and how you were finding yourself at a time in your life, 27, 26, when actually having mature adult relationships suddenly becomes important. It's a time when you're thinking about partner for life. You're, it's mm. not like you're cruising through your 20s, maybe with many different partners and possibly, I not, don't know, but I know in your <laughs> 20s that a lot of us are experimenting. We're not looking for something too deep and meaningful. Mm. So the questions that we're asking of ourselves, like, I, I think this is the guy or I think this is the woman mm. and I'm always finding the wrong person or I'm not really getting what I need or they're too needy for me, I'm too needy for them. And that's when we question really what's going on in us why am I being drawn to these types why am I always disappointed why do I feel I need more why aren't I getting more and that's when the absent father often emerges you don't have a man and a woman mirroring an adult relationship to you and what that looks like what tenderness looks like what conflict looks like what disappointment looks like what all the facets of an adult relationship look like, if that's not being mirrored back to you through particularly your adolescence, because that's when you're exploring your sexuality, Mm. the first time you're really looking at the other for a relationship. You're you're in your peer group, you're you're having your first snogs, you're probably having sex for the first time. (laughs) And all of that needs in a healthy way, Mm. if possible, to be supported by a mother and a father. 
Yes. The absent father means there's a kind of imbalance internally in you. There's a, something missing. There is an absence in you. Mm. There is a longing and a need in you that you are searching for. And these things emerge definitely in adult relationships. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, it's very poignant yeah. that you hit it exactly at the age where at, you were looking for a deeper, more meaningful connection yes. in a more adult way. It's actually so interesting. You also, when you were just speaking, now, so many things came into my head about my mum. She's uh, always stayed devoted to my father and, and had five children to look after. And um, so she's not had boyfriends or anything when I was growing up. And my relationships with, with boys, I have lots of male friends, but with, with you know, relationships, I don't know if I've, if I've not known how to be, if that makes sense. Now I think I, I know myself a lot better, but in the past I could probably be quite brutal at times, actually. And as well as being incredibly... Yeah. When you think about the way you are in relationships... Um, before the way you've been in relationships before therapy Mm. what have you learned about yourself in therapy that you think you can take forward into your relationships in the future that is really quite different where you feel that I mean do you feel what you've learned about yourself means that you can get your needs met you're not looking so much to the man Mm. to fill fulfill these needs Yes, I'm still working out my own romantic relationships and that's the next stage of you know the piece in the puzzle. But all the work I've done this past year has 100% put me in such better stead because firstly, I feel so much more self-worth than I felt a year ago or a year and a half ago. And I have so much more purpose and I have so much more grounding and I know who I really, really have got to know myself. And I think that is so important in everybody's lives in terms of relationships, because if you can't know or love yourself, then how are you going to know or love someone else? When you say know yourself, Mm. what do you mean? So in terms of thinking about what I've done in therapy, I've broken down stuff, which I didn't realize were sort of manifestations of unresolved trauma or, for example, the absence and the void that I would have subconsciously felt with my father and all that stuff, you know, facing, for example, the pain or facing or also having just gentle realizations of things that then have these light bulb moments. Um, The example I tend to give quite a lot is or tend to give quite a lot, I've said to friends quite a lot, is I actually bizarrely, being the sort of outwardly confident person that I am, and also, or seem, but that I also am, is social anxiety. I've had bouts of social anxiety. What do you think that's about? What have you understood about your social anxiety vis-a-vis your father or lack of a male figure in your life? Do you think it's connected? I I think it is. And I think going down the sort of order of things, because I think it becomes something which is like uh, a repercussion of this, then it becomes a repercussion of that, and then, then that. And it's like these layers of stuff. And I, after my dad died, I think became a huge people pleaser. And I think that people pleasing came from wanting to stay incredibly positive, not wanting to... um, Was that because grief and being sorrowful and being unhappy and traumatized, Mm. was that not permissible? Was that something that, you know, I need to be happy because I need to 
cover up my feelings? This is what everyone else is doing? Were you mirroring something? I was always quite a a very positive child, even before my dad died. But I think there must be a a few reasons why. But for me, at least, it became something of, um, and then obviously being a performer, that kind of um, people pleasing and wanting people to like you. And does, does that link with suddenly being abandoned by someone who adores the ground that you walk on? Well, I don't... There is somebody missing from your life. Yeah. You know, there's a big gap. Yeah. How do you fill it? How do you fill who it? Who do you fill it with? Mm. You know, how do you go about getting that need, that longing mm. for somebody's gaze upon you that's telling you yeah. what a gorgeous girl you are, what a beautiful woman you've grown up to be and mm. how proud they are of you. The idealised father, the idealised man that's not there, yeah. that, you know, you're looking for him. Yeah. You're going to find him somewhere. Yes. It's an interest. I mean, men who do have absent fathers struggle to break free from the domestic setup. Mm. You know, they are boys that didn't have fathers that introduce them to what it is to be a man in the world. Fathers that are emotionally absent or very preoccupied with work or life. That what they're, what, what they're getting is a father that comes home and what they receive is the father's mood, not the teaching. Right, yeah. And children need a father there to teach them about life. You know, mm-hmm. this is what we do when we go to work. How many children know where their father works, mm-hmm. has been to their workplace even? There's a huge disconnect at the moment between, you know, particularly fathers and fathers and sons need that, you know, initiation of men going to work. What does work mean? Mm. Where does daddy go to work? Only the last few hundred years have men not known about their father's workplaces, yeah. for instance. Robert Bly talks about this a lot, he doesn't does. he? He talks about the mystery of the absent father, but the, the, the child fantasises about where daddy where goes. he works and it's a worry because a worry. there isn't this kind of tangible image solid yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly robert Bly is a wonderful author he wrote a, an incredible book for men about the initiation rituals and what it means to be a man in the world and boy to manhood mm. in a book called iron john it's a sort of seminal book for men mm-hmm. but it also speaks to what the father means Thanks for listening to Love Maps with Anghara George Carey. Stay tuned for the second half. If you're enjoying it, do subscribe and leave a review. And you can find more information and support on our website, lovemapspodcast.com and follow Love Maps Podcast on Instagram. Growing up with father issues or daddy issues in whatever that means can lead us to adapt Mm -hmm. we make adaptions to that loss to that grief to that trauma and that adaption will be could be I can be successful in the world rather than what does it mean to be connected emotional in a relationship and that more balanced nuanced side of what it means to be human Mm -hmm. are you finding with I don't know if I can ask this. I'm going to ask this question. Are you finding with your guests and with yourself Mm -hmm. that the issue of relationships comes, I'm, you know, that they bring it in or they avoid it because they're talking about their success in their professional life rather than relationships? So I actually, funny enough, feel much more comfortable 
talking to girls about um, their relationships because I have a first-hand knowledge and understanding of that. And and with guys, and also, you know, the term daddy issues, you know, the, that kind of misinformed, thrown around um, term, which is actually incredibly damaging and also is a real thing. But uh, it's thrown around, especially on women, because of relationships, you know, for me, that makes sense to then ask about their relationships and how they think it's affected their relationships with men if they are straight, which so far has been the case with the girls on my podcast. Um, but with the guys, I haven't asked so much about their relationships. Some of them have been much older. And so I felt like I don't really have a place to sort of say, and how's your marriage? Um, or some of them, yeah, I just, there hasn't been that natural conversation that's gone there. What I do tend to ask is, what is um, your relationship with older men? And that's because I I know, especially in my brothers or myself, even though I'm a girl, but um, relationship with older men is impacted because of a lack of or a absent father. Did you find a replacement did you have you did you attach to an uncle or a, uh, an older man as yes as a replacement? I was very lucky that my godfather took on the role in terms of emotionally and financially during school. We were all incredibly lucky that we all had a godparent who kind of took us under their wing for uh, our education. Could you talk to him? Did you feel um, that he was there for you in emotionally? Yes, actually. He, he, well, he probably wanted to be more than I let him, if that makes sense, as probably a parent has anyway. I remember once where, you know, age 17 and I had a pregnancy scare and I remember, oh God, I was so irresponsible when I was younger. And I remember my mum spoke to my godfather and I remember hearing the conversation and he just said, well, what are we going to do if Inherent's pregnant? And I know how much that would have meant for my mum, that she wasn't alone in this. What are we going to do? And I remember thinking, actually gives me tingles thinking about it, because I remember thinking he really does see me as a daughter. And that meant so much. Mm. Oh, getting emotional. But I just, and even though he was not my father and he never tried to replace my father and he actually, you know, was very aware of that he was never but he really stepped in a lot of my clients who have had absent deceased fathers they're guys that have grown up they've done well in their lives but they are struggling in their intimate relationships yeah it's not just physically absent as we come back to that you know that it's it's about where was the blueprint as you say watching watching your parents and what they do and how they behave with one another mm. is, yes. you know, so important. cannot and be if, overstated. And if it's not there, because even if they're not, no one's got a perfect relationship. You know, there's lots of things that we learn that are not great from our parents. But there is something about surviving un- and living with two people who are in a relationship and going through the, the normal ups and downs, the normal hatred of marriage. That, again, is something that people really don't understand. There is such a thing as normal hatred Mm. in a marriage. With love, you have hate. And if people don't experience that growing up, they run away from conflict. It's not working out, I can find something better. I love what you just said, Joe. really, because there is this tendency, or I have this tendency to go, well, there are these 
you know, mythical people somewhere where there's this kind of model, perfect. model, perfect, perfect parental Idealized model. Idealised mummy and, and kids daddy. Are, kids are growing up and having this Neatly this found. wonderful, balanced exposure to all the nuance no, of no, perfect no, no, relationship. No, no. That's, and, that's not going to happen. But in fact, everybody, <laughs> I mean, everybody has some form of it, deficit, don't It's they? also mm. being able right? to tolerate the struggle. And I think that um, children... They shouldn't be put in the face of abusive behaviour, but it's being able to tolerate and know that couples, adults struggle. What do what does mummy do when daddy comes home in a grump? What does daddy do when mummy's preoccupied with the children? Mm. How do how do adults manage themselves? And also, do they have sex? <laughs> do mummy and daddy you know, hide their eyes or go how disgusting when they see sex on telly. All the things we learn about being in an intimate relationship, we are absorbing as we grow up watching our parents. Now, what the permutation of their relationship is, is obviously hugely important. But I know that one of the, I'm a boarding school survivor. I was sent away at seven. Um, It completely altered the way that I am in relationship to men and to myself. My issues are obviously around abandonment. I mean, I was abandoned at seven and dumped in a sort of prison in the middle of a field. <laughs> was it co-ed or was it? No, no are you no. kidding? I was you know, stuck with a bunch of girls. You know, when I saw boys, <laughs> I was terrified. Yeah. I didn't know how to behave. I still don't know how to behave, actually. Yeah. I kind of get drunk and think that if I'm if I'm drunk, then I can sort of behave the way that they want me to behave. Mm-hmm. It's, so I didn't grow up really, and my father was very preoccupied as a farmer. So I, I really know what it's like to have no sense of what it means to be in an adult relationship. And this longing for a man to be present, mm-hmm. but also terrified of the presence because I'm not used to it. It's that kind of ambivalence of I want them, but what do I do when they're near me? Mm-hmm. You know, because I never had them. I didn't felt that because I was away from home, for, seen forever. Mm-hmm. That the man in that relationship is feeling the pull of that absence in you, which we might call neediness, mm. right? Mm. And so how, how do we deal with that how does because we're talking about relationship how does father absence of father impact relationship and there are two people in relationship well I think the when I think the work of therapy is I mean knowing yourself Mm. understanding your triggers understanding the the fear we're all frightened being in a relationship brings up vulnerabilities that you never knew existed even the most I mean that's something about work and success can conceal vulnerabilities in your emotional life Mm -hmm. because the patriarchy the masculine code rewards success and achievement what it doesn't reward is connection to your emotional life yeah and so I think that that's the there's a big divide there hugely and also I think a lot having done learning from my podcast and the guests on it you know, regardless, male, female, doesn't make a difference. And, and I'm not speaking for everyone because actually there are a few reasons why people might be become focused because they have different traumas that they're dealing with anyway. But often the way that, for example, if it's a death and the way, how can you avoid grief? Um, well, you can 
focus on something else. How do I avoid this very difficult, painful feeling? And how are the people around me showing me, especially as a child or a teenager, what is being mirrored to me about what is permissible? Are we talking about how difficult it is that the parents are separated? Are people really expressing their feelings? Were people talking about grief? Was there a real acknowledgement and honouring of the death of a beloved person? Mm-hmm. You know, these things are all, is is it permissible in your social group? How much of this has been allowed? Mm. And if it's not allowed, and, and honestly, I think in our society, it's not. We don't grieve properly. We don't honour, we don't really talk about death enough. Mm-hmm. It's actually so interesting. I, this has just come into my head, but when you look at families, maybe even in Europe, such as Italy or somewhere where some a member di- a family member dies or something I mean they're screaming I recently learned this actually doing Julia Samuel on my mm, podcast mm. it's those very beginning that beginning time mm. after you've lost someone that's so hugely so important. important and you don't really especially obviously a shocking accident if someone dies and suddenly have to deal with all that but obviously the circumstances make a difference but actually in our society here in it in Italy, in England, or even in Britain, you might scream and shout when no one else is listening. But actually, to be able to do that around other people and that to be okay, and and for that to be not weird or shocking or or terrifying or scary or vulnerable, you know, is we we lack that. What we do when we're not allowed to express and process the grief. We adapt, we do these things of what, how do I cover it and survive? I was going to ask, and, I, and tell me if this is a step too far, but how do you think it's affected, speaking of relationships with men, how do you think it's affected your relationships with men? It's affected my relationships with men because my I would not show my vulnerability except by getting extremely drunk and then very angry Mm -hmm. I would let the wound out in anger the wound of your father the wound of abandonment the the anger towards my father I would let out in very angry alcoholic behavior I became quite dependent on alcohol and also in a fear of intimacy Mm -hmm. because I'm not actually going to show you how absolutely terrified I am that you're going to leave me yeah so all of this is unco- these are all unconscious strategies, right, unconscious, for compensating. Unconscious. For, because what we're, we're, ideally, I suppose, we want to be whole people, don't we? We want to be, um, we want to have these things reconcile these issues in ourselves at, at, a, at a really deep level so mm. that we don't play out these unconscious strategies yes. to compensate for them. That's, yeah. sorry, I'm trying to translate, because yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, yeah, I don't yeah, have no, this totally. terminology, so I'm trying to It's all unconscious. It I'm not consciously doing, I mean, I know this myself. now because I'm a therapist and I've had to do a lot of work on myself. Mm. And the reason I'm a relationship therapist is because I need to know. Yeah. I really need to know. I mean, I teach what you, I most need to learn. You, it's you so important. You connect with that. Exactly. It's the same as doing a podcast, I think. People do podcasts, for example, mine with daddy issues and growing up, you know, without a father and the effects of that. And then you being a relationship therapist and, you know, all these different things, you, you sort of connect mostly with the, the, either the thing that you need fixing or have fixed or, or have this kind of, um, 
It's like starting a business. You need to want to use that business. You can't just be like, this is a good idea, but I'd never use it. You need to be your oh, own customer. If that makes you sense. Walk, walk the talk. If you're, if you're, yeah. you're talking about your own podcast or any podcast, yeah. if you're not living if, it. You know, if I was a teenager and daddy issues was around, that would have given me such an immense amount of comfort. Because you can't ever have that relationship back, but you can construct something that's much that feels for yourself I think that as you resolve and you grieve and you find a sort of place for the absent Mm. part of yourself which is the father wherever he may be and he may be sitting in the next door room Mm. but he's on his computer and maybe he wasn't fathered yeah Maybe, you know, he doesn't know how to parent because that's also a legacy and it's being able to recognise it and say, you know what, I kind of get how difficult that is for him. It's not what I want, but I'm going to try and connect if he's around or connect to something in myself where I can feel some love and I can't have him do these things with me that I long for but I can make those happen in a different way for myself. Yeah, it's actually, and there are so many reasons why I started Daddy Issues podcast. One of them is because I noticed this huge cycle of fatherlessness to do with, you know, men, boys not really being fathered and then not really knowing how to father and then also doing the same thing that their dad did. It's the most yeah. important thing. Mm. I mean, this is, we're talking about a societal crisis i think yeah in, um, totally. right in in, oh, absolutely. In, in in kids raising kids also if there is a trauma if there is a separation or a divorce or something or a death boys particularly if it's impact if it's the father kind of gets stuck at that developmental stage i see a lot of adult men behaving in an adolescent way in their relationships Mm -hmm. or behaving in a childish way because that was probably the moment when the father at some point exited or he may have suddenly got a new job and he's up you know away all the time the father really instills for girls and boys confidence and that's because they're much more physical with their children so rather than be um oh careful don't don't do that don't touch that um, it's more kind of like, woo, and like throwing someone around. Yeah. And that makes a child very aware of their body and very confident with it. And I think there doesn't have to be two parents. And this is something I've learned from my podcast, because I thought, you know, to have that yin and yang balance, you need your mum and your dad. and You need just somebody else. Especially, I think, with men. And again, I'm generalising here, but they really search for their father in other men, but they can get Definitely. snippets. So you help me, you teach me about oh, finance. Absolutely. You teach me about... Um, confidence you teach me about humbleness and I've worked with some extremely traumatized adult men who are in troubled relationships yes but one of the things that has really kept them from being in extremely difficult positions as in probably prison is that despite having had extremely violent abusive relationships with their fathers there was somebody and I remember one guy saying There was a lovely guy, he was the mechanic in the garage three miles up the road. And I would walk there as a six-year-old because the home was so violent. He would walk up the road, he lived in a very rural area of the countryside. And he said this man was actually anchored him in life and was able to go there in his his mind. Mm. It's being able to actually conjure that person up. 
Mm-hmm. It's knowing that that person is there for you in your psyche. Yeah. You have experienced that attention, that respect, and that love from somebody. And I think that's really important. It's mentoring, isn't it? It is mentoring, yes. It's that whole like raised by a tribe yeah. theory, which actually it's is true. probably the best way. It struck me in this conversation today that actually just the airing of it, just the having the conversation is such a wonderful starting point and so powerful, so important. And if people, if anyone listening who is maybe feeling that they haven't really visited this issue for themselves even just beginning the conversation seems like the most important thing right you have to take the first step isn't it when you get to a certain age um, and realize that you're not having the relationship that you want that you're actually missing something and you don't know quite what that is Mm. it's really important to try and find somebody to talk to about that as you say maybe therapy or even just talking to a friend I mean talking to friends I think this requires a skill. Mm. I think that if there are wounds that are from an early age or even what, you know, wounds need a lot of care and love and attention. And I think that just being aware of the fact that an absence is a wound, Mm -hmm. whatever that absence is. Yes. Every absence is is grief, isn't it? In some respect. I don't know if um, this would be useful for any listeners, but all these relationships that haven't worked the the thing that I'm really looking into now is before I get into any other relationship with a man I have to know them like and actually know Know, them yes and I think that deeply I I never knew that that was that was the answer because there are so many sides to everyone in exactly the same place (sighs) oh no I mean we're all we're all there we instead of projecting our fantasies on them yeah and you know Richard and I talk about this a lot it's just go there and go there and ask stay curious be interested, hit something you don't like, move around it, be curious about it, don't say, oh, they don't like that, so actually next. Mm. I think that, you know, this has been really a rich podcast and thank you so much. And Harrod, you've been, you know, you've been great. Lovely having another podcast you're on. Thank you both so much. It's been amazing. Thanks for listening to Love Maps. We hope you've taken away something useful. If you know anyone who's struggling in their relationship, please share our podcast with them. You can find more information about the topics covered and links to therapeutic support on our website, lovemapspodcast.com.